Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 is where we're going to start today. Uh, we'll get there a little bit later, but that's, that's where we're going to go. So just go ahead and turn there in your Bibles or on your Bible app, uh, and we'll get to that a little later. We've been in this series called Lasting Impact, all right? And so for us, in this series, we've been talking about how to make an impact in the different places in the world that we go. And a lot of times when we think of impact, we, th- we, think we are thinking on this larger-than-life scale and, you know. No, like, you're impacting your kids. Like, things that you're doing right now, you're impacting the few lives that you have in your household. It starts at home, and then it kind of moves out to coworkers or extended family, or if you're a manager, the company that you oversee or, or whatever. And then just, you know, out in the world. Uh, in in the workplace, uh, in the grocery stores, wherever you go. And for us, how we describe or define impact, uh, just so that we're all on the same page, is this. We define it as an encounter that has a life-changing effect on another's life. Like, what kind of impact are you making that has a life-changing effect on another's life? And you, you need to understand, I hope you do, that It doesn't have to be, I mean, sometimes you'll have a life-changing experience encounter with somebody that you might not have even known about. Like, the light bulb didn't go off for you because it's just flowing out of your character, who you are. But for them, because it was such a drastic revelation, it was an aha moment, like, oh my gosh. And they may never even tell you. You may have had impact on people that you'll never know it until maybe sometime later in life on the other side of eternity, or you may never know it. And then there are other times where people will make an impact on you that they know it, you know it, it drastically changes your life forever. The people who have made some of the largest impacts on my life uh, have been teachers, like some of my elementary, edu- uh, elementary school teachers and then my senior uh, high, uh, what we call back in those days, diversified occupations. It was like the work release program of, of, of the high school. You know, uh, you get out at a certain time and go work half the day. That lady changed my life because I was fixing to be a high school dropout. And I wasn't going to go to college. And I was at very close to the top of my class, but I was at a very low point in my life as a teenager. And she comes into class and she's checking to see how many people have signed up for the ACT and the SAT. And she's going down and she's like, you know, Bailey, you you signed up? Yes, ma'am, signed up, you know. Um, You know, Griggers, you signed up? Nope, nope, not doing it. Well, you need to get down there. She gets down to me, right? She's like, Stuart? I'm like, no, ma'am. She's like, why haven't you signed up? And I said, because I'm not going to college. And she just stops, turns around, and she says, what do you mean you're not going to college? And I said, I said, Miss Williams, I'm just not going to college. And she came over to me. Now, this woman is a tall, 
black woman. She's like six foot four. I mean, tall. She walks over to me, and I'm a scrawny little, I was scrawny all through school. I was so short. I looked like four years younger than I always was. I know I don't look that way now, uh, but she walks over, and she gets me by the back of the collar, and she says, get your beep up. I'm, I'm serious. She literally said, you know, uh, X word. Like, she, she's like, and she takes me by the collar all the way down the hall, like lead me like I'm a dog, you know, all the way down the hall to the principal's office and says, he's here to sign up for the ACT. And then she's like, I'm the proxy for the test on Saturday. If you don't show up, I know who your parents are and I know where you live. So I was there, obviously. She changed my life because I had bought into some lies, which I'll get into, but she changed my life. And I can't tell you how many other things like that that have changed my life. And some are very noticeable, and then some are just kind of sub, subdued and, and, and whatnot. So I've been really excited to see over these last few weeks, because we've been in this for a while, talking about impact. We've been talking about influence. As a matter of fact, the women's retreat is called the Women of Influence Retreat. But as I've been looking at evidence, because I'm not sure if you remember, but we went through a series where it's like, if we are uh, to bear fruit, the scripture says that God desires us to be fruitful. So if we are bearing fruit, fruit is basically evidence. If we're being fruitful, where's the evidence? You know, where is the proof? And so if we're being impactful, then we should see points of impact. Like, so where are you being impactful? And dude, I'm telling you what, I have seen so many examples just within the past week of people making an impact. Like uh, Lynn is not here. Lynn Lanier is not here today. But I went over to the ribbon cutting ceremony uh, for the Jubilee Youth uh, Services and Leadership Academy, uh, J-Y-S-L-A, I think for short. Um, and last year, he came to us and it's like, hey, man, I'm going to do this. We're coming out of COVID. We're going to do this. It's an inner city boys uh, program in Mobile. It's teaching young men from the inner city how to be gentlemen, how to be uh, men, respect women, you know, use their authority in a, in a godly way. And uh, so he really kind of thrust it on us and several of us got behind him last year. This year to see where it was last year and now where it is this year, dude, the, the uh, city of Mobile has given them their own community center based upon what happened last year. It is, it is unapologetically Christian. Like it is a Christian-based program, like not dumbing it down at all. It says that on their marquee. It is a Christian-based boys program. And we have people like uh, city councilmen from the city of Mobile there. The Chamber of Commerce is there. The Parks and Recreations Director. And I mean, I'm just sitting there and I'm going, wow, 
look at the impact that Lynn has had. Not only that, you know, I've been talking, I was talking to Betty Cottrell uh, yesterday or the, or Friday at the retreat. And she said, so I just want to tell you something that I was awarded with. And she said, I got this award at certain times of the year. They give out these uh, seasonal awards. And she got a, an award. Uh, I can't remember exactly what they called it, but it was for being one of the most uh, inspiring people, so to speak, in the region, all right? So there are 65 other, think about this, there are 65 other people in her department in the region, and they chose her as the most inspiring person among their team in the region. Now, region can be something like, you know, 12 states, uh, but the point I'm making is that the leader said, and they, it was by unanimous consent. So everyone in the, in the voting pool saw Betty as this person of influence. And let me tell you what got that for her, because this is how she makes an impact. All right. So she says she has this email spreadsheet with everybody in the region's name on it. And an and email, and she says, every day when I go into work, one of the first things that I do is I will send an email to some person on that list, and I will just send an encouraging note to them for the day. If I know they did something, I'll just highlight that. If I don't really know this person well, I'll just say, hey, I'm Betty. I'm from, you know, this, uh, the, uh, the business in Mobile, and... Um, you know, just letting you know we appreciate what you do to add value to the company or whatever. And, and it may be generic uh, in a way, but that person still gets it, you know, from somebody they don't even know well. And she does that every single day throughout the year. And when she gets to the end of the year, she just starts over again. And that makes a huge impact on people. And so, you know, we're thinking about all these different ways of impact I was talking to Alan uh, this week, and, you know, we were just reminiscing about some things, and he was telling me, uh, as many of you know, he was a missionary to Haiti for a number of years, and he was telling me that as he was talking to another leader in, in a, a, I think, Assembly of God denomination, uh, that leader was saying, when we talk to people in Haiti, they still refer to you and they still refer to all of the infrastructure of the ministry, how the organization, and they still refer back to Alan as being the man who made a difference. All right? Dude, th those are amazing evidences. And there's so many more that I can give you. But the point being is thank you for being people of impact. Thank you for making a difference in people's lives. So as we're talking about this, how do I make an impact? So how do you and I make an impact uh, out there in our community? All right, so when Jesus, he had, he had somebody come to him one time, and, and he said, uh, Jesus, Master, tell me what I must do to inherit eternal life. All right? Now, I want, I, I'm using this. It's a little out of context, but I'm using this to make a point. Now, that guy was coming to Jesus asking him, hey, what do I have to do to benefit me? 
Making an impact is not about you. It's about them. So this guy's talking about me. But Jesus, he did answer the question, and he said, really, this is what everything in life boils down to, love. That's it, love. In every aspect for a believer, it boils down to love. And you can also translate that uh, into compassion, care for other people. And so how do we make an impact? And here's how we make an impact. It's by being compassionate. It's by, by showing love. Jesus said, here are the two most important commandments. The second one is equal to the first one. So that means there's really only one. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and the strength. The second is equal to the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. Like if we will just love each other, we won't have to worry about worshiping God because we're worshiping God by loving one another and treating each other well. How do we make an impact? And this is how. There are five ways to communicate compassion or to communicate love. Like in the world, like in the, inside the church walls, we use language here that we don't always use lang- the same language out there. So a lot of times out in the world, we may not use the word love. Like in the business world, you're at a board meeting or whatever, or at a school faculty meeting, and it's like, I just want to communicate love to you guys today. I just want to love on y'all. Like in the South, we might do that, you know? Because, I mean, I've been a part of the school faculty, and I'm like, I do say stuff. I, hey, let me love on you guys for a minute. But, hey, in some circles, that'll get you in trouble because we live in such a woke society now. Well, how, how do you communicate love outside? Well, we might just use different words. Compassion. Like, everybody's down with compassion, I believe. That's a, that's a fairly neutral term. But compassion is actually love. And we talked about how every impact that we will ever make will be born out of compassion for other people. We'll have some kind of desire to care for them or to, to, quote, love on them. So here's five ways to communicate compassion. Number one, touch. We communicate through touch. The very first message uh, in this system, uh, in this uh, series, when I begin to talk about five ways to communicate love, we talk about them as being five love languages. I can't remember if it's Gary Smalley that wrote that. Uh, I get them mixed up. Gary Smalley or Gary Chapman. One of those guys wrote that. And um, he talks about five love languages. Well, this is the same thing. It's five ways to communicate compassion. And it's through touch. And I talked to you about how when Jesus went throughout the places ministering to people, you see the word, and Jesus touched them. He physically touched them. He spit into the mud, wiped it on the guy's eyes. He, he laid his hand on the woman, and she recovered. He went by and touched the coffin and blessed it, and the kid came to life. But there was a physical touch. Like there's scientific data that shows that humans need touch to survive. Now, I know that there are some people that's like, man, don't touch me. Don't touch me. But we all have a need for for physical touch. Back in uh, World War II, I believe it was, they did these, uh, the Germans did these terrible experiments uh, on humans. And they would take these children 
uh, in the orphanages, and they would have these children, and they would put some children over here, and they would come in, and they would rock them, and they would cradle them, and caress them, and, and sing to them, and over here in, in group B, they wouldn't touch the kids at all. And the only touch that they would have, they wouldn't speak to the kids. The only touch that they would have is if they had to change their diaper or basic needs. They would never speak an endearing word to them. They wouldn't touch them. They wouldn't caress them. They never picked them up. All of those uh, children were, had some kind of mental deformity. They had some kind of retardation that happened in them or anxiety or, or, or just mental disorders because these over here experienced touch. These over there did not. We have a biological, God-given, built-in need for touch. We're living in a world where, man, you touch and it'll get you in trouble, I'm serious. Like we live in this world where the enemy is trying to, you know, to kill that form of expression. And, but we need, touch basically at its basic point is coming into contact. You know, touching somebody on the shoulder, patting somebody on the back. I mean, back in the day when I was growing up, doesn't that sound like an old person? Back in the day when I was growing up, you know, we have these expressions, man, give yourself a pat on the back. Those because what does that do? That's like, man, good job. It's an affirmation that, that builds you up. So there's touch. Everywhere that Jesus went, he touched or either they touched him, the woman with the issue of blood. Jesus didn't even know she was in, in the way, but she touched him. So that's a way of communicating uh, compassion, quality time. Pastor Wesley, a few weeks ago, two weeks ago, talked about spending time with people. If you want to make an impact in people's lives, spend time with them. I don't mean like just waste time with people. Spend time with them. You got to understand the difference between the two. You can spend time, but I will spend time with you, but at a, at a certain point, I'm not going to waste time with you. Yeah. Does that make sense? I just, I'm not going to waste time with people. Like, don't, don't try to suck my schedule dry. Like, my time is valuable. I need to be doing things, and I'll help you in certain areas, but I want to see some evidence that there's some fruit somewhere from this. And I, I, I look at that in every aspect of my life. Even down to my children, I expect evidence of the time that we're spending together. And there's times that, you know, in the initial phase you're going to have to take risks on people. Well, there's a lot of times you don't know the person. Like, they're a stranger to you. So it's like you don't have any history there. So you take a risk. And I'll tell you what, I've taken risks and they've paid off big time. And I've taken risks on people and it's failed miserably. But you never know until you cast the net I am so glad that there were people that took a risk on me because if they hadn't, I wouldn't have known some of the things. Now, let me, let me just uh, share some, and I don't want to get off too far in the weeds on a lot of my little illustrations, but I remember at a very early age, um, this just give you an idea of how you, how you make impact. At a very early age, uh, my family just got saved, so I had no real knowledge of God, no formative knowledge of God. 
Uh, half the time they're talking about stuff in church and I ha I'm clueless. I don't know what they're talking about. Well, evidently, as I'm learning the songs or whatever, uh, I'm singing out there. Well, I'm telling you, I could not sing. I, I'm, I'm just terrible. And this lady who ended up being my mother-in-law about seven years later, this lady comes up to me at church and she says, you're coming to church tonight and you're going to uh, sing with our youth choir. And I'm like, are you crazy? I don't sing. I'm terrible at singing. I've heard myself sing. And she said, yeah, you're coming to, to uh, right, right after church, we went and ate and we came right back. We practiced for that night. Now, so we come back. She tells my parents. They force me to come to this. And, you know, I'm standing up there with about 10 other kids. It's, uh, and she said, so, Rife, when we come back tonight, you're going to sing uh, the second part on this. And I'm like, Are, is this lady brain dead? Like, I can't sing. And I don't, like, I don't know all this church stuff. Well, what I didn't know is what she did know. She had heard me singing as a kid. And she's like, oh, that kid's got some potential. All he needs is somebody to help him and structure it right. And so I went home. Man, I'm telling you, uh, I'm newly saved, so I'm still good with lying. You know, I don't have a problem lying. And I was thinking of every lie I could think of to tell her that, uh, I'm not coming or I got sick or, you know, I got abducted or something like that and I can't come tonight. But I had this one problem that my parents, they got radically saved and they were going to drag me to the church regardless. And so I couldn't lie my way out of it or get out of it. And man, I was so nervous and I got up and uh, see, we didn't have those screens on the back of the sanctuary wall with the words. You either knew the words or you didn't. And I'm thinking, I'm going to forget the words. I don't know the words. I'm not going to be able to do this. So I get up. And I'm like, I was shocked at what came out of my mouth because somebody showed some interest. They took a risk on me. Now, I'm not the greatest vocalist in the world, but I ain't the worst either. And I learned through all of that time that she mentored me, you're not trying to perform. You're just trying to worship. You're just using your voice to lead other people into the presence of God. And so she took a risk on me and it paid off because I have used that gift in every country that I've ever preached in. I'll sing a little bit in. In every church I've been a part of, I've been a part of some type of ministry in some way. So what will happen many times, you will see things in people that they don't even see themselves because they're blind to it. You know why I was blind to it? Because I had been beaten down so much in my life. I had been verbally abused. Like I, I am a poster child for multiple forms of abuse in my uh, short you know, childhood. Um, but verbal abuse was one of the things that I had been beaten down so much in my life, I had a, a, a higher esteem for a snail than I had for myself. I had no self-esteem. I thought I was worthless and good for nothing. 
And to be told all of a sudden that, hey, there's worth in me. See, you'll see things in the, the, the Bethel group out in California. This is the first place I ever heard it. They call it calling the gold out in another person. In other words, there's these nuggets in people that they may not see it there, but you see it. Because you're looking from an unfiltered, it's not clogged and dirty. They may have believed all these lies about themselves, but you don't because you're looking at it through a, a different filter. And you begin to see this because you're on the outside looking in. You're not numb to it because it's new to you. And you begin to call out the things in them. Well, did you know that you, you've got the gift of hospitality? Did you know that? You are so good at welcoming people. You make me feel so comfortable in your home. So you begin to call out something in them that they didn't even know. They just thought that they enjoyed having people in their home. They never saw it as a ministry gift. You know what I'm saying? So you will see things in people, but you only begin to do that when you spend time with them. The third thing is words of affirmation. Those are words of encouragement that we give to people. The fourth thing is acts of service. We'll get to acts of service and gifts over the next two weeks. But the one we're focusing on today is words of affirmation. So words of affirmation is a way that we can communicate love and worth to the world. It's a way that you will make an impact. Listen, the scripture says this, life and death is in the power of the tongue. It's in our words. Life, we, when you go in tomorrow morning at work, wherever you are, you can either create life in that place or you can create death. And I've been in places where it has been uh, so negative in the workplace. And it's like, you go in, don't join in that negative. You start affirming in the positive and change that environment. So look at this. Let's look at words of affirmation. So basically what, let's look at a definition basically. So affirmation means a statement asserting the existence or the truth of something. So it's just a statement. Like, you know, you have a beautiful smile. Something simple. You know what? I love your laugh. You have an incredible laugh. Uh, I have an inside laugh. I don't laugh out loud. My wife, I, she and my son, I love to hear them laugh. I'll be at the other end of the house and I'll hear them burst out in laughter. Sometimes I'm like, what are they laughing at? Because nobody else is in the house, you know. They're just down there by themselves laughing. It changes the atmosphere. And I let them know that is a beautiful quality because when you laugh, it just, it lights the room up with joy. Um, it could be something as like, man, you have such a, you are a servant. Like you, you serve people well. It's a statement of value that you see in people. Look at this next one. I love this. In a court of law, it's a solemn declaration made under the penalty of perjury. I want you to think about this for a second. So an affirmation in a court of law, it's a solemn declaration. I'm making this declaration as a statement of fact. And I understand that if I'm lying I can be, I can perjure myself and I can go to jail for this. Because listen, listen to me and listen to me good. Because some of you 
are living under words of affirmation that are lies. That the enemy has spoken to you through people and you've partnered with those lies and they are not true. Like when I was growing up, I would have words of affirmation. See, affirmation can be positive affirmation and negative affirmation. An affirmation is simply a declaration, you're stupid. I had a a friend of mine that whenever he would do something and get it wrong, he's like, well, I'm just a moron. Well, this is why he said that. Because all his life as a child, I know this may be hard for you to believe, but I'm telling you it's the God honest truth. All his life as a child, whenever he did something wrong, he would do something and his dad would say, he would go into these tirades and he would say, you are a moron. You haven't got the sense God gave a goat. You are so stupid. Isn't that terrible? But I'm telling you, there are people who live and have affirmations spoken off over them. So what do they, they grow up believing? That they're stupid. They're a moron. I'm not smart like other people. I can't do certain things, all right? So what is that? That's a lie that was spoken over that person to keep them at that place. When I was growing up, I had these things spoken over me, and, and, and I won't go into what they were, but I had these things that were constantly spoken over me, and it was attacking me in certain areas of my character, It happened in my own family, by my own immediate family. They're beating me down. I had words that were spoken over me, labels, nicknames that were given to me that are so vulgar, I don't even dare say them in this house. And my parents allowed that. Now, this is in our pre-Jesus days, okay? But my parents allowed those things. So I grow up thinking I'm those things because I don't have anybody taking up for me. I have had people to say things over my children, and I have very quickly said, hey, don't say that over my kid. Now, you understand, I'm not saying this to strangers. I'm saying this to people I know. But I've had people I know, and they just think they're being cute or whatever, and they've said this over one of my children or both of my children at times. And I would say, hey, man, don't say that over my kid. Don't speak that over my child. That is not who he is. That is not who she is. Because they will believe that. You know, it only takes one lie that a person can partner with and go, well, I am that. I guess I am. I guess I am. Because the enemy is powerful in his persuasion, you know. I mean, we listen to the lies of the enemy all the time, and we, it affects the trajectory of our life. So, in a court of law, a solemn declaration under the perjury, uh, under the penalty of perjury. So, words of affirmation can be positive or negative. So, let's look at 1 Corinthians and um, I'm just going to read this to you because I want to have a uh, foundational scriptural proof for where I'm going, okay? If you've read First and Second Corinthians, all right, 
and I'm not, I'm not assuming everybody has, but if you've ever read First and Second Corinthians, this, this, these are two wo- uh, books of, uh, of, of whoop butt yeah. on the Corinthian church. I mean, Paul wears them out. I mean, he is wearing them out over stuff that they're getting wrong, stuff that they're out of alignment with. And, and I mean, it's, it's two tough books that he writes to the church of correction. I want you to look at the first few, uh, what, nine verses here. All right? So Paul starts out, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God. So first of all, he's edifying himself. He's just, he's, he's affirming himself. Hey, man, it's Paul. I was chosen by God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ and from our brothers Sosthenes. Verse 2 says, I'm writing to God's church in Corinth to you who have been called by God. So he's affirming them. Now, he's getting ready to whip their tails spiritually. He's fixing to get ready to lay down the law. But before he does that, he's building them up. All right? And if you, if you notice, like he does, he does that uh, sandwich. I'm going to build you up. I'm going to tear you up. And then I'm going to build you up again. He always ends the, now I love you. I'll see you again, you know, sometime soon. But in the middle there, he lays the law down. At the very beginning, he's affirming them. And he says, again, so you who have been called by God. So he's affirming them saying, hey, you've got a call of God on your life. You're not just anybody. You're not just, you're called of God. He called you to be his own holy people. Like you're holy. You're holy. Now, listen, he's fixing to jump into some unholy actions and, and uh, stuff they're involved in. But right here, he's saying you're holy. He's affirming you're holy so that when I correct you over here, you can remember why I'm correcting you because you're holy. Right, right. That's not this, what y'all are doing in the church. That's not who you are. You're holy. All right. So go back. Look, at, he says, God made you holy. By Jesus Christ, as he did for all the people everywhere, who called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you. He's saying to them, like, you guys are gifted people. This is what he's saying. He's affirming them. He's saying, Out of all the people that I do life and ministry with, y'all are gifted. There are some gifted folks in this house in Corinth. Now he goes on to say, um, now that you belong to Jesus, through him, God has enriched your church in every way. Again, building them up. Y'all are gifted. Not only are you gifted, you use those gifts to enrich and build this church up. Like, you guys are an enriched people. He goes on to say this. He says, um, God has enriched your church in every way with all of your eloquent words and your knowledge. All right, think about this. He's saying this. Like, I have never seen some of the most gifted speakers in this church. That's what he's saying. You guys excel 
in knowledge. If you know anything about Greek philosophy and Greeks, uh, you know, history, you know, it was at one point the global center for knowledge and, and uh, academia. And so he's saying, we have in this church some of the most gifted speakers, some of the most knowledgeable speakers, and some of the most eloquent, like you, you speak well. And I've, you've seen people who, they are extremely knowledgeable, but they're terrible speakers. Or they're great speakers, but they lack knowledge. You know what I'm saying? He's saying, y'all got it all in this house. Like, you're knowledgeable, you're eloquent, you guys are gifted. He goes on to say, this confirms what I told you about Christ is true. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly await the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right here, he's saying, you have every spiritual gift. He's saying, you guys are operating in all the gifts of the Spirit. Like, I don't know about you, I want to join that church. There's no problems at that church. But after chapter 1, we find out there are. But he's not going into it saying this at the very get-go. He's not going into it and saying, I'm so disappointed in you guys. The teaching that I left you with, what have you guys done? Have you abandoned the faith? He's not going in with guns blazing. He's affirming them. He's building them up. Guys, if you could just listen to me, for so long the church... We've got to get on track, man. We've got to get in alignment to what the spirit of love is wanting to do in the world. For so long, we have been off track, and we're just wanting to scream the truth at people, and they, people don't receive the truth when you're screaming it at them. you got to come at them in a different way. And, you know, inside the church, we can teach and preach differently than we do outside the church. Why? Because you already are saved. We're not being two-faced. We're being two-dimensional. There's one dimension of the faith here. There's another one outside the church. So when we come into this place, we are operating at a different place of maturity. We are operating from this place of you already have some understanding of the faith and you're already starting your relationship with God and your relationship with spiritual leaders and we can begin to call out not only the gold in you, but the dross in you. Are you following me? Yeah, that's good, that's good, that's good. If you don't know what the dross is, when you're refining gold... All the junk impurities, they just, they just, that, they're baking that stuff, molten gold. All of the junk, the dross is what it's called, rises to the top. And they take that and they scrape all of that junk off. And they'll, they'll uh, you know, fire it up again and there'll be more impurities. And that's why you have, you know, five carat gold, 10 carat gold, 24 carat gold, because it's how pure it is. And so when we are teaching in this house, I ought to be able to call out the gold in you. And I, mm, 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 mm. And I ought to be able to, and other spiritual leaders, call out the dross in you. Because if we're in relationship with one another, we ought to be in a relationship. And guess what? I don't just get to call the dross out. 
You get to, to call the dross out in me. I am also subject to the same thing that I preach to you. And so there are people that they will speak into my life. Everybody can't speak into my life that way. Hear me. Like, is it Nina? Is, did, uh, no, Tanya. Nina's over here, right? Tanya, I'm going to use you as an example. You're new to me today. I just met you today. You can't speak into my life at the level that maybe Harold can because you and I only have about an hour-ish uh, relationship going on, but we've got multiple years. And he can walk up to me and speak to me more harshly than you can because I know how he loves me. For Tanya, I don't know who she is. She seems to be a nice lady. I don't know anything about her, but she couldn't come up to me and say some of the things maybe that Harold can. But the longer we're together, the more she gains the right to point the dross out in my life. So, you know, I want to just share a few verses with you that point out to what, how powerful affirmation is. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says it like this. Let us, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and goodness. And let us not neglect meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Man, he should have wrote that uh, in 2023, shouldn't he? Because I'm like, I don't, that, I don't know what they thought the Lord was getting ready to return back then, but I'm like, I don't see how much longer it can go in today's world. But he's saying, hey, listen, as bad as it is out there, as bad as it is, as bad as the other side, whoever the other side is, as bad as those people, as bad as this mindset is, let's not forget that we have to motivate people towards love. We have to encourage people. Like, how can you encourage people that don't have the same belief system that we, we have? You can find a way, and it is love. Remember, compassion, love. Listen, I don't have to agree with your uh, gender ideology. I don't have to uh, agree with your critical race theory ideology. I don't have to agree with your presidential uh, uh, you know, pick. I don't have to agree with where you stand on this issue or that issue or whatever. I can find a place of decency and compassion to offer you, you know? Because at the end of the day, all that junk boils down and there's a zombie apocalypse. We're all human, right? Yeah. Like, we're going to be fighting the zombies, you know, just to survive. At the, at the common base core, we're humans. And so you can find something to say good. And so it's like, man, let us just encourage one another. Words of affirmation. Look at Ephesians 4.29. It says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Now, in the early days, I thought very concrete and finite about this verse. And I'm like, oh, I can't say any potty mouth words. That's unwholesome. No, dude, that and. Like, we should not let words come out of our mouth that would tear somebody down. Like, we, we shouldn't slander uh, people's character and things like that. Like, we, not, not only that, like, if you're a negative person, stop that. Don't be negative. Like, and I'm telling you, there are a lot of Christians who are negative. I used to be one of them. I try not to be, but 
I'm telling you what, I could pick out 12 negative things real fast. Like, what do you see? Describe this picture. Well, that's wrong, this wrong, that wrong, that wrong, that wrong. But I didn't describe the positive. That's unwholesome. Like, we should not see the world as half empty uh, or, yeah, half empty. We should see it half full. In our day and time, man, where we are in the world, it is so easy to go, oh, just let's give up. It's so bad. Every day we wake up, we see something terrible. You know what? God is still working in the middle of this. History, my friend, has been worse than this. At certain times, World War I, World War II, like we've been at different places. We're just at a different type of place. We're fighting a war. It's a world war. It's just not a physical war. It's a spiritual battle that we're fighting right now. But there's still places where we can, we can find something good to say. He says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such words that is good for edification. Like that's good for building up according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear it. Like you will find yourself in certain moments, in certain situations where there's a word of encouragement that's needed. And you'll sense it, guys. I know you've been in, I know I'm not the only one that I'm like, man, there's a wet blanket that's in this place. Like, oh, there's a heaviness in this place. Somebody needs to speak life over it. As a matter of fact, before we were uh, getting ready to to come out this morning with with our team, um, there was a a situation with one of our team members um, on, on the praise team. And it's like, man, I just want to tell you, I'm feeling really heavy right now about something that, that personal that was going on. And, you know, we could have been like, uh, well, I hate that. I hate we're fixing to have to go out here and try to worship while you're feeling funky. You know, can you just try to pull it together for the next 20 minutes, 30 minutes? No, we stopped right then and we made declarations, affirmations over that. We said, shalom of God who fills us. Come into this place. Rise up. Let the glory of the Lord rise among us. You know, let, let the peace of the Lord. And we just call, started calling peace into the room. And it's like, because we can't walk out of here for that. Like, I can't tell you how many times it's like, hey, we got to shake that off. We got to get that off because we're not walking out here with any of that. So there will be situations at work, in your family, and I pray that Holy Spirit would reveal those times to you and say, hey, you know what this is right now? This is a moment that needs the grace of God to come into it. And so speak something positive. Use a word of affirmation. I look at this. This is the takeaway for today. Every time I affirm somebody, I realign them with their identity. Every time I affirm someone, I realign them with their identity. Here's what the enemy does constantly to us. He tries to get us out of alignment with our identity. Well, 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 you're just this, or you're just that, or you'll never amount to this, or you'll never, or those, that's for other people. Francis Chan, I don't know if many of you guys know him, but he is a pastor out in California, and he was just talking to his wife one day, and 
uh, you know, as he's talking, and they're like, you know, well, what if we wrote some books? And, and uh, you know, because they were talking about how to finance some stuff. And uh, he said, uh, his wife said, well, what if, what if we wrote some books? And, you know, she mentioned a, another well-known pastor and said, you know, he, he wrote a book and it made millions of dollars and they were able to pay off all their debt. And this is what Francis Chan said. Somewhere, somebody had spoken, and you know the scripture says that the, that the enemy is the deceiver. Yeah. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He's a deceiver. He's the father of lies, the chief liar. Somewhere, the enemy had spoken a lie to him, and this was his response to his wife's talking about writing a book. He said, that's, that's for other people. We're not book writing people. And she looked at him and she said, why are we not book writing people? Like what makes them book writing people and us not book writing people? And he said, right then, she arrested him where he was. Because what's happening when you go back to what's affirmation? It's a declaration in a court of law that is subject to penalty of perjury. And what happened is the enemy had lied to him and said, we're not those people. That's for other people. I remember when my mom spoke to me and she crushed one of my dreams that I had. And she said to me, son, that's not for people like us. That's for rich people. I've told you all this story before. If I had really followed my dream, I would have been flying for Delta to Europe today probably uh, and wouldn't have been a pastor because I had this dream of being a commercial airline pilot. And I told my mom my dream. And my mom, she's like, son, that's not for people like us. That's for rich people. Well, that's my mom. I just believed her. And I'm like, crap. I don't get to be an airline pilot. I was crushed. Do you know what I, I did? I went in my room. I'm telling you the God honest truth. I went in my room. I climbed up on my little twin bed. My brother had one there. I had one here. And I reached up to the ceiling. And I took down the France Concorde that was hanging. And I took down the big 747. And I took down the space shuttle that I had all that I would lay up and dream of that. Because... I believed a lie. Fast forward about 30 years, I'm in Atlanta sitting across the table from a guy I met at church. So imagine, Tanya, we go to lunch today, and I'm, I'm just meeting you for the first time, and I'm sitting a, a, across from a guy who became one of my friends named Paul. Paul, I'm like, so Paul, what do you do? Like, this dude is, I, you know, he's just every average, everyday guy. We're just hanging out, and I said, Paul, what do you do? And he said, uh, well, I fly for Delta. Dude, you might as well be the greatest baseball player ever to me. I'm like, dude, you're my hero. I said, oh, my gosh. Like, are you serious? Like, so what do you do? What do you do on the plane? And he's like, well, I'm the captain. What? No way. No, no. You sit in the left seat. You're the guy that gets to say, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be flying. I mean, you can't hear them. But you're that guy. And all of a sudden, I'm in the middle of my excitement. I'm overcome with anger. Come on, man. Come on, come on. Like, because you're not rich. 
you're, you're, you're an everyday person. And somebody lied to me. And they said that I couldn't do what you... And I was, as, as I was just going on and on and on in this conversation with him, I'm like, he's blushing. And he's like, man, you got to stop. Because I'm crushing big time on him. He's like, man, you got to stop. And so he begins to kind of, I think he felt bad for me because he begins to kind of downplay his role. And he's like, you're making it out to be so much more than it is. He said, you understand, I'm just a taxi driver, right? I drive people from one city to the other. But you do it in a sky. You do it in this massive metal bird that can seat up to 500 people. I believed a lie. I believed that that I lived my whole life thinking that there were things that I was not good or incapable of doing because I was told to at an early age. And in a court of law, now I understand, in a court of law, like, in a spiritual sense. The enemy lied to me, but God comes back by the power of his Holy Spirit and says, that's not true. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And so every time you speak a word of affirmation over them, you're realigning people with their God-given identity. You're realigning them with their spiritual DNA. 1 Corinthians says this, chapter 14. Now understand we're down here at chapter 1. He was affirming them. Now he's down here in the 11, 12, 13. He's correcting them and giving them some more teaching about spiritual gifts. And he's talking about prophecy now. Remember at the very beginning, he said, you guys are gifted. You have every spiritual gift operating in this church. Now down here 14 chapters later, he's talking about prophecy. And he says, one who prophesies strengthens others encourages them and comforts them so i want you to look at this real quick there's three benefits that we see of prophecy and when i say prophecy i'm really talking about affirmation because if you'll just get this church some some of y'all need to be operating well all of us need to be operating in the gift of prophecy but this is what we think the gift of prophecy is you go into the grocery store and you're talking to the woman on aisle nine and you're thinking like, oh, yay, hang on, I'm getting a word from the Lord here. Thus saith the Lord, the Lord says you'll go home and in the third cabinet up in the top of your pantry to the right of the cabinet, there's going to be a can of tuna fish there. You're going to open, you know, we think of like it's going to be this massive like, and I'm not downplaying because there are words of knowledge that God really will use that kind of stuff. But we think about it in this lofty thing. And I'm telling you right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, prophecy is simply this, building others up, affirming them with words that encourage them and, 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 and comfort them. So here it is. Number one, the three benefits are you're giving strength for people who are weak. If there's somebody in your world that they're weak, that they're beat down, that they feel like they can't, you prophesy over them and you say you can. I spoke with a mother this week and she was telling me of all the things that she feels overwhelmed and she can. And, and I'm like, but you don't understand the things that I see that you're doing incredible. 
thank you for having your children in church is the first thing I told her. I said, you are providing all of these things and making sure that your children have a spiritual foundation. You are a strong woman of God. That's exactly what I told her. She feels weak, but I'm prophesying over her. You know, it's, it's as simple as that. I'm calling out things that I see. The next thing is encouragement. When people are discouraged... They get into this mental headspace, and I've had to do this with my own children, and I'm like, I know you don't see it yet. I have lived 55 years. You have lived 25 years. I can tell you where you are right now is not where you're always going to be. I know you're discouraged right now. I promise you, this is a valley. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you know, yes, you're going to come out on the other side. So just speaking to them, encouraging words. Um, And then the last one is comforting. People who are in pain, people who are suffering, Uh, prophesying, giving words of affirmation over them for when they need comfort. Sometimes, man, people just need to be told it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And you have the strength to do this. We'll walk through it together. And speaking those words of affirmation over them. Think of prophecy, you know, not in this lofty, high way that only, you know, the the most spiritual people in the church realm can use. No, prophecy is something that God has given that every person in this room, you can walk out of here today and you can prophesy to the lady who serves you at the restaurant. And it may be as simple as, you know what? You care for us so well. You serve people well. Thank you for serving. Just something simple, calling the gold out in her. I'm telling you, I have been in places where the uh, demeanor of the person waiting on me was totally changed when, you know, they were having whatever going on in their world. And I would just say something like, you know, uh, you have a beautiful smile. Or maybe I I remember this one time where this lady, she just had this, I've never seen a woman with royal blue hair before. I just never have, you know, maybe a little nursing home lady, but this was a lady working in Walmart one day. And I'm like, that is a beautiful color. Like I've never seen anybody with royal blue hair, but man, it looks amazing on you. And she, it just turned from grouchy to now I'm the best customer and she's doing everything for me. Because it just changed it because I spoke an affirmative word over her. Say this with me, all right? Every time I affirm someone, I realign them with their identity. Somebody throughout the years has knocked them off course and they're believing lies. You be the one to bring them back into alignment. And you may not even know like exactly what they were knocked off alignment. You don't worry about that. You just speak what you see, speak it over them, and I promise you, you'll begin to make some powerful impacts in your world. All right? So, Pastor Rife, how can I apply this word today? How can I take this and you go outside and do something with it? Listen to me, church. If you just listen to me for the past 45 minutes to an hour and you walk out of here and don't do anything with it, we didn't solve anything. We didn't accomplish anything. The scripture says that we're to be doers of the word, not hearers. All right? 
So I want to give you a practical way that you can walk out of here and do something. Begin sending a text, a card, or an email to someone weekly. All right? You know what I do? I have, te- uh, in my phone, I have a reminder, and the reminder goes off every few days. Now, I don't do this for, for me daily because I, I do that in another way. But I have daily reminders set for me to affirm different people. Now, I'm, I'm just telling you, I do this for my own children, my adult children. Every three days, I get a message that will pop up on my phone that says, don't forget, text Noah and Savannah today. And so sometimes it'll be funny, cheesy, dad joke, whatever. But I'm just affirming my children. I'm telling them how proud I am of them. I'm telling them how they are role models for their dad. You know, just loving things like that. Usually on uh, Sundays, I will send out a text to different ministry teams And I'll just say, thank you so much for serving today. I saw what you did here or whatever. It's just letting letting them know like you are making an impact. We do something in our staff. uh, Well, we don't do it in staff meeting anymore. We do it every, we used to take uh, like 10 minutes of all of our staff meetings. And uh, right now we're doing it just on Mondays. But we write what we call love notes. And um, you can call them compassion cards. You can call them whatever you want. But we write them, and we call them love notes. So if I say to any of our staff, hey, let's take a few minutes and write some love notes, what we do is we'll take out some Destiny Church stationery, and we will just start, and we'll say, Abel, I just want to thank you so much for serving on our X team. Man, you're a blessing to this church, blah, 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 you know, just really loving on that person, letting them know, like, you're not just a nameless face, but you matter. You bring value to the house. And I was talking to somebody actually yesterday at the women's retreat, and they came up, and this is what people will do, because, you know, you write so many of those cards, you forget, like, who you send them to. It doesn't mean it's meaningless. It just means, like, you just send them out. It's just something we do all the time. And our goal is just to build people up, man. And so she walks up to me and and she says, Pastor Rife, thank you so much for that card. Well, I don't know what she's talking about. And I'm like, can you refresh my memory? And I'm trying not to like be like it didn't mean anything. But I I just truly, I said, can you refresh my memory? I said, I don't. She said, like the card you sent me from church. I'm like, oh, yeah. So in my head, oh, she's talking about a love note. And um. She said, I also got one from Pastor Wesley a few weeks back. And she said, that day I was having one of my worst days. And I realized that my attitude was affecting my environment, the people around me. And she said, and I opened up that card. And the very thing, this is how you don't know how Holy Spirit can work through you. Like, Holy Spirit can give you, this is prophecy, guys. Holy Spirit can give you on Tuesday what they ain't even going through until next Thursday. Are you following me? And she said, the day that I opened this up, this is what was going on in my world. And you spoke directly to peace. And she's like, and I'm like, oh, wow. 
I need to invite peace in. And she said, so I just talked to my coworkers, and I just very quickly said, you know, I'm sorry that I've been off this morning. I really need to be walking in peace. Do you see what I'm saying? Like that's making impact. So this is a very practical way that you can make an impact on people. There's so many other ways. You're smart people. Go think of your own ways to make impacts. Buy some donuts for your coworkers tomorrow or something just to say, hey man, I was thinking of y'all and how grateful I am uh, for getting to work with this awesome group of people. Even negative Nancy over there. I appreciate, you know, her keeping me on my toes, you know, just that's a joke, but you know what I'm saying. And then this, on the spot, as Holy Spirit reveals qualities about somebody to you, share it with them. Like when Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit will, I've seen people and I'm like, dude, they are so good with kids. And I just speak over them. I'm like, I've noticed how good you are with kids. Like when other people would just explode out of impatience, you have the ability to just consume all of that little energy that they have and you make kids feel so loved. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. I didn't have that growing up. Speaking it over them in the, on the spot, spur of the moment.